Hello, I'm Juliette Littman. And I am Joe House. Welcome to Ringer Food, the Ringer's new hub for all your food-related content. You may have known this feed as House of Carbs, and don't worry, that's not totally going away. We will be launching two new shows on the feed, and the first is Food News with me and David Jacoby. You may remember us from our days at Grantland. Well, Jacoby and I are back to go over the news, sample snacks, share some personal tales of food news, some global tales of food news, who knows what else is to come? And House, what are you going to be doing? Oh, my taste buds, my hungry homies, my culinary comrades, we are back. We've done it. Here to tell you that we are reigniting House of Carbs with a whole new slate of tasty episodes throughout the year. We are starting with a football fracas, a gridiron gobble fest. We're doing NFL playoff potluck featuring taste tests of the iconic food item or items of every playoff city to determine which city reigns supreme. Ringer Food is starting up this Wednesday, January 12th. That's so soon. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Death Taxes and Bananas podcast. I just want to say, be cool, my babies. Be cool. I have not forgotten about you. My God. What started off as just like a fun little hobby, I'm going to do this every once in a while, you know, chop it up with some old cast members, uh, has now become somewhat of an addiction for some of you out there. I've always joked that um, bananas are addictive, but I didn't realize they actually were until. I'm a couple days late on a podcast. Some of you guys are like worse than the credit card creditors coming after me because I'm late on my bill. So as they say, better late than never. I've been a little busy this week. For those of you who don't know, I do have a job. You can call it that. I host a travel show, but we're also doing a spinoff of that travel show called Celebrity Sleepover. It's going to be fantastic. Can't wait to share all share that with all of you. So I have not been ignoring you. All right. I've just been busy. 
And I'm actually recording this on a Saturday, which I don't usually do, all for you, all right? Just to, uh, you know, help you with, with this banana craving you've all got. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different than we've, than we've done in the past, mostly because the guest I'm bringing on today, it's been debated in the past. There's been, there's been a lot of debate. Who's the greatest of all time? Bananas, when are you going to bring the greatest competitor of all time, the GOAT? on the podcast, on the Death Taxes and Bananas podcast. Well, you're all in luck because today I have brought the greatest. There's no debate, all right? There's, let's, there's no debate anymore. We'll get into why there isn't, get into the metrics. I'll prove it with numbers, all right? I'm going to take the Weston Bergman route today. There's no debate that the guest I'm bringing on today is the greatest of all time. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to the podcast as my guest for the very first time, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Mr. Johnny Bananas. Woo! Yeah, that was a killer introduction, Bananas. Thank you for that. Thanks for all the praise and accolades you just heaped on me. Absolutely incredible. So guys, it's obvious what we're doing here. Instead of interviewing a guest this week, I want to show my fans a little bit of love out here. Every week when I do this podcast, I get questions. Lots of questions. Questions that I, I've been doing. I've been at this for a long time. I've been in the game for a long time. I've been in public eye for a long time. I run into people out in public on a daily basis. Generally, it's the same questions. What's the challenge like? Is it difficult? Is Wes really as ugly in person as he is on television? I mean, the answer to that is a resounding yes. Do you regret taking the money from Sarah? But I put out a tweet the other day. I put a little question on my Instagram yesterday just to see what you guys had, see what you could come up with, what kind of new things. And boy, oh boy, was I ever shocked, astounded, sham wowed by some of the questions that you guys have. Truly some unique individuals out there. And I got to say, just when I thought I had a sick and twisted and demented uh, imagination and brain. You've really showed me just how deep the rabbit hole goes. So we did a little, uh, we're going to do a little Q&A session today. And this is going to be uh, basically me answering all of your um, burning questions. Probably going to uh, ruffle some feathers. Uh, we're probably going to potentially get some calls from the powers that be, because I'm probably going to go places they don't necessarily want me to go. But I'm a free agent now, so I can do and say whatever I want. You don't own me. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right. First question. This comes from uh, at GBakes93. Uh, what do you miss most about competing on the challenge? Also, what is your craziest drunk story from the challenge house? Wow. All right. This is a big two-parter. It's a hell of a way to kick this uh, Q&A off. What I miss most about competing on the challenge is just that, the competition. Okay. Um, Growing up, I was always a very competitive person. Doesn't matter what. Sports, beer pong, never wanted to lose an argument. Whatever it was that we were doing, I would go 110%. I probably took games a lot more seriously than I should have. So yeah, growing up, that's just always been me. I've just always been a competitive dude. So uh, the challenge really gave me an opportunity to keep that competitive flame alive. And it was, it's a completely different type of, of competition than anything else out there. Anyone that's grown up playing sports, I mean, the challenge is just a different animal. But it gave me a reason to stay in shape. 
I look at a lot of guys that I went to college with, a lot of guys that are my same age, and man, the years have not been good on them, okay? Um, a lot of people tell me that it's like, bananas, you are aging like a fine wine. And I, what I like to say to them is, thank you, but I owe a lot of that to the challenge and to having to stay on TV. Um, I've always said that I'm like the real life Peter Pan, and the challenge is my never, never land, and the cast members I'm on with are my lost boys and girls. It's kept me young. Mentally, I don't think I've emotionally aged a day since I, after college, since I was 22, 23, when I first went on the real world. It's given me an, an, an opportunity to, like I said, continue staying in shape, continue competing. Also, just being able to be me. Growing up, any job I ever had, I never kept for very long. I was fired from a lot of jobs, mainly because I was not a big fan of authority. And I didn't know how to behave myself. I didn't know how to keep my hands to myself. I didn't know how to not talk out of turn. I didn't know how to just not be mischievous. And what's incredible about the challenge and what it's done for me is it's, it's enabled me to really be myself. It's encouraged me to be myself, um, which is something I've never been, never had. Ever since I was little, teachers were trying to get me to, you know, just fall in line, be a different person. And um, my, one of my favorite quotes is from Shawshank Redemption. Morgan Freeman says about Andy Dufresne after he escapes. Some bird's feathers are too colorful to be kept in a cage. And I can honestly say that's me. So that's part one. It's part one of your answer. Uh, part two. Also, what is your craziest drunk story from the challenge house? There's a couple. And I think they both took place on the same season. I think it was uh, Rivals 3. The challenge has changed in a lot of ways. One of them being the first night we moved into the house. It was like the party to end all parties. I'd put it up with there with Carnival, um, Mardi Gras, Coachella. It was just kind of no holds barred. And we knew we're just getting to our location. We're just checking into the house. There was unlimited alcohol. We knew that we were probably going to have three, four days to do absolutely nothing. This is when everyone gets along. When you first move into the challenge house, game hasn't begun yet. I mean, it kind of has, but not really. Everyone's still getting along. There's no division in the house. Everyone's still cool with everyone. There's some new faces there. A lot of hookups would, would, would take place. We haven't gotten sick of seeing each other on a daily basis. So Rivals 3, I got so drunk that I actually had, I took, one of the, I took the lid of one of the chafing dishes from our catering and I filled it with beers, full beer cans. And I went to jump in the pool. And for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to, when I jumped in the pool with this chafing dish lid full of beers to throw them all up in the air. All right. And then jump in. And then there's like, it's going to rain full beers down. Didn't really think this one through because throwing full beer cans up, gravity is going to pull them back down the other direction. And if I'm jumping in and throwing them up, they're most likely going to come down on me, which is exactly what happened. So I jump off the edge of this pool throw these beer cans, full beers in the air. This chafing dish was like a razor blade. So it sliced my hand open. Then I hit the water. Then about eight beer cans hit me on the head. Then I ended up after that, if that wasn't enough, I think I threw three people in the pool that night, all wearing mics. So that was about a $2,000 fine. And then by the end of the night, when we were out of beers, I just remember uh, there was a bunch of empty champagne bottles around the pool that I thought still had champagne in them. And it took me until about the third one to realize that they all had empty cigarette butts in them. So that was a, that was a very brutal night. And then what makes it even worse is we thought that we 
this was Rivals 3. So this is how the night begins. We're all full tilt. And then we get a text from TJ saying that the challenge starts tomorrow. And we ended up skydiving the next day. Never skydove a day in my life. And the first time I ever did it, I was so hungover. And we were in Mexico. Lumps on my head. Gashed open hand. So hungover. It was 100 degrees. We're like sitting in this like... Oh, God, my anxiety was through the roof. So not only do I have anxiety from being hungover, I'm also like, now I'm going to jump out of an airplane. Yeah, that was my craziest drunk story. Question two, this is from uh, AJ West 29. Who would be your go-to partner if you could choose, male and female? Male, I'd have to say uh, Tony, because Tony and I had an amazing relationship to begin with. We had a pretty bad falling out for vendettas. And then we had what is arguably one of the greatest um, rekindling friendship stories of all time. And we were one bottle of spoiled milk away from going to a final and most likely winning after what was no doubt one of the most just mentally draining seasons of all time. That was Final Reckoning. And we were right there. That was one of the biggest kicks in the dick ever. So if I could... Run it back. I'd want to do it with T Reigns and hopefully, um, hopefully get that W. Guy deserves it. Uh, female partner would have to be Laurel. Again, I think me and Laurel starting off didn't necessarily have the. We didn't see eye to eye. We weren't on the same page. Uh, but over time, I've realized uh, just what an absolute, you know, stellar competitor she is. The one time we did compete together was on free agents during the final, and um, all around, uh, you know, Laurel's just a, a fantastic competitor. The fact that she lacks that, that that she doesn't have the ability to show her emotion, another big plus. I think we would uh we'd be a killer team. Mount Rushmore of the challenge, male and female. This is a uh, Brad John. Male, Mount Rushmore, I'd have to say myself, obviously. Uh CT, Darrell, and Wes. There's gonna be arguments about other people being included, but this is my Mount Rushmore, not yours. So don't at me. Females, Emily, Cara Maria, and Evelyn. All right. That's my list and I'm sticking to it, people. This is a, a question I get quite a bit. All right. Nobody 95837 wants to know. What does TJ do during production when he's not working? Well, let's just square this way first. TJ, when he's not working, which is about 99.99% of the time, TJ's job, it's which is, I thought I had a great job. It's the best job in the world. Okay. This guy gets to travel to all of the countries that we get to go to but actually gets to partake in the festivities of said location. I've been all over the world, but you know what I've seen in those countries? I've seen the country whizzing by out of the bus window, okay? I've seen one or two bars downtown. So yeah, we get to travel to a lot of places, but we don't get to actually experience and enjoy these places. TJ, on the other hand, gets to fly in probably week, two weeks early. It's his own car. It's put up in the nicest hotel room, wherever we're at. I'll never forget when we did the island, okay? Now, we're marauded on a deserted island, starving to death, emaciated, losing a pound of body weight a day, surviving on like our own scabs. After the show's over, all right, I've lost 26 pounds at this point. Most miserable I've ever been in my entire life. We're finally rescued from this island. They put us up in a hotel after, usually for a few days. So we go to this hotel. They're like, all right, here's your guys' room keys. And I'm thinking it's like, all right, we're going to get like a pretty 
sick room. We all we all end up getting hotel room keys for one room. Now, mind you, this room was beautiful. It was the presidential suite at the Tortuga Hotel. We walk in. I'm with Kenny. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, we get like this pimped out massive room. We start looking around. Then Derek walks in. I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, this is my room. I'm like, all right, well, Kenny and I are already in this room. Then Dan walks in with the key. Then Johanna walks in with the key. Paula comes in with the key. We're like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is our room. By the end, they had six people, six of us stuffed into this presidential suite, okay, which was the room TJ had just checked out of. So TJ himself had a room that they stuffed six of us into after we've been on an island. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. This guy's golfing. When we're there, when we're in the bunker or the house or whatever, trying to, you know, wanting to murder each other, TJ's golfing. He's at the beach, living the life, man. All right. TJ's job usually consists of showing up to location, reading a few lines, making a few jokes. What does TJ do when he's not working? Living the motherfucking life. So suck my ass, TJ. Next question. What is your most cringeworthy moment on the challenge? And what is your proudest moment? My most cringeworthy moment, I would have to continue on what I was just talking about, the island. All right. If I could erase one challenge season, I'd want to keep the win, but the season, it would be the island. Okay. Not my finest moment. At the time, when I was a starving 23-year-old moron, seemed fine. But looking back, the way that I behaved, and listen, while obviously the hunger and the misery contributes a lot to a person's behavior and actions, I'm not making an excuse for the way that I treated certain people, namely Kellyanne, Evelyn. Uh, So yeah, if I could go back, I would definitely make amends for those things. I think I have, but the way that I see it is I've, I wouldn't be who I am today had I not making the mistakes that I'd made in the past. And that was one of those learning moments. All right. As much as people were cringing when they watched me, I was cringing when I was watching myself. So after that, it was kind of like, all right, I've always said about the challenge. What's great about it is you get to watch yourself from perspective. Most people never get to see themselves from. You can keep the things you like about yourself and you could throw the things away you don't. And I got to say, there, there was a lot I threw away about myself. So definitely most cringeworthy. Uh, proudest moment. This is actually a very recent turn of events. And that was me putting my bullshit aside with Mr. Weston Bergman. One of my biggest regrets I'd have to say in the challenge is not doing it sooner. Because, you know, Wes and I just always had this, you know, we just always, we didn't see eye to eye and we almost let our egos and we almost let our television personas get the best of us. And I will say that as much as I talk shit on Wes outside of the show and on the show, he's two completely different people. And it was so weird for so long when we'd see each other outside, it was fine. Like we vibe, we'd have fun. We'd actually make fun of each other, you know, how, how we were on TV. But it was like, as soon as we went on the show, it wasn't necessarily me and Wes that didn't get along. It was the personas and the personalities that we brought that didn't get along. And on top of that, given the fact that both of us are probably some of the most conniving, scheming, manipulative pieces of shit on planet Earth, very difficult to trust a person when they're basically a reflection of yourself. Not an accurate reflection, because if I if Wes was actually my reflection, like if I looked in the mirror and had to see that looking back, I'd, I'd probably end it all. So, I mean, you guys saw what, what Wes and I managed to accomplish when we finally uh, put our heads together on Total Madness. Just wish we would have done it sooner. 
You know, who knows what we could have accomplished. But then again, you know, I think that's what actually made us reconciling that much better is the amount of bad blood we had going into it. Wake Thomas 13 wants to know, in your opinion, who are the best, sneakiest, and loyalist competitors that maybe don't come across that way on cameras? Bonus. (laughs) This is a bonus question. I love it. Here's a bonus question. Which people should have never been invited on the show in the first place? That's easy. Anyone with big brother anywhere in their in their name, I would say that. Should have never been invited. Although, listen, some of them have grown on me, but that was just a, I don't know, horrible addition to the franchise. But we're stuck with them now. So, you know, you got you got to live with it. Who are the best, sneakiest, and loyalist competitors? I'd have to say the best slash sneakiest. Uh, males. CT and Kyle. Okay. There's no argument when it comes to the best. I mean, you know, CT is a, is he covers all the bases. He's what in, in, he's in like when baseball, they call a five tool player. Okay. He's the complete package, but what often goes unnoticed is how sneaky and how manipulative he is. And it's, it's an amazing skill set The guy's got, okay. Because he does it so sneakily that I think production doesn't even see it. Kyle, on the other hand, has a whole different way of going about being sneaky. Okay. You know exactly what he's doing. You know that he's being a complete piece of shit, but he's so funny and he's so likable that you can't stay mad at the guy. Even when you catch him red handed, I mean, the guy's just such a, you know, good dude to have around and he's so funny. It's like you almost just like forgive him. You know what I mean? Um, and then I have to say, Ashley and Anissa. Listen, Ashley is a social butterfly in every sense of the word, okay? And Ashley has this ability to really play up the ditzy, drunk, West Virginian, Southern girl that's just kind of has no idea what's going on. But while she's doing that, all she's doing is absorbing all the intel she can so she could then run around and blow up everyone's spot and use that information as currency. Now, it's caught up with her in the last few seasons. But there's a reason why she's done as well as she had the show, has two wins, won a million dollars. It wasn't by accident. Okay. A lot of people want to discredit Ashley's uh, achievements, but make no mistake, man. She is a, she is, while she may come off as a little bit aloof, she knows what she's doing. Anissa, arguably one of the greatest social games ever. Okay. Everyone's best friend everybody's best friend. But the thing is, she actually is. Most people are doing it. Most people are just putting it on. Most people are just pretending. She's not. We always call her like mama bear because she is. She's like everyone. Like she really is. She's like the, the, she's got this very like maternal presence. She's very good at basically being good with everyone. Even people that I am, my arch rivals on the show, back when me and Corey used to hate each other on the show. She somehow was like in my corner and had my back, but had his back simultaneously. And it was like, all right, this makes sense somehow. But I think what makes Anissa even more impressive of it in her social game, Anissa has the ability to read lips and hear through walls. And I'm not joking. This woman could be on the other side of the house. I could be whispering and she somehow can hear me. And we'd be at the bar. This is the, and this is the, this is the best. We'd be at like the bar. And usually when, when you're at a bar and you're, talking game you're on you go to like one loud you know there's music playing you go to one side of the bar and you kind of get away from everybody else but i'd always see her like you'll always see her staring across like while you're having a conversation it's like it's weird because it looks like she can hear what i'm saying but there's no way too loud there's no way but 
Sure enough, she wasn't listening. She was reading lips and she could literally come over and verbatim tell me exactly the conversation I was having. So Nisa's a, a sneaky one. Loyalist, Leroy, obviously, you know, they say friends help you move. Best friends help you move a body. Not saying I would, but if I ever had to move a body, Leroy's the first one I'm calling. Uh, Laurel, definitely ride or die. I mean, just because again, she's just why she's built different. This might surprise a lot of people. Josh. Josh, I know, gets a lot of flack, a lot of heat for being an emotional dude. But when I tell you Josh is the most loyal person, I can honestly say, with the exception of Leroy, um, that's ever been on the show. Josh is actually so loyal, it's a detriment to his own game. And this was very apparent on World of Worlds 2 when Josh tried to basically appease both myself and Paulie simultaneously. Josh was the only one that didn't know that he was getting played. And we all know which, which way that went. Paulie promised Josh that he wouldn't say my name on their friendship. Josh believed him. Josh even told me, he goes, listen, man, I'm not going to put, we're going to nominate him to be the, whatever the tribunal or whatever the hell it was that season. I told him, dude, you do that. I'm going it. He goes, nah, man, trust me. And it ended up going exactly that direction. But Josh was so hurt and so upset that he almost came to blows with him because he was betrayed. But Josh is a loyal dude to a T. Um, And then my girl, Nani. I mean, you want to talk about a ride or die? Again, going back to World of Worlds 2, her and Leroy. Even when my back was in a corner and the rest of our team, the whole team, Bananas is going in. Join our side or you guys are next. Even with all the numbers stacked up against the two of them, they both stuck by my side. So, um, yeah, Leroy and Nani, again, if the whole body bearing thing, if it was too heavy for me and Leroy, we'd, we'd call Nani. She'd be down. This is a good question from Green 115 Do you think we're now stuck in this weird spy big budget style of seasons with the flagship challenge? Or could we get rivals, X's or any older theme styled season again? Oh, boy. If I had a like a magic lamp with a genie and I had three wishes and the wishes were like, okay, what, what would you change? I would have to say one, get rid of all the bells and whistles. Okay. We don't need them. All the gimmicks, all like the sleight of hand and the flashy shit and the iPads and the explosions and the, again, all the spot. Like, can we just get back to like regular vernacular? This is the, what you want to call it? The tribunal, the power couple. The arena, like we've now gotten into like changing the verbiage for everything. Okay. Get back to what made it simple. The simple formats. That's what made this show so beautiful in the first place was its simplicity. The rivals format, the X's format, the gauntlet, the inferno, the duel. It's like a soap opera. You could miss, you could watch one episode, miss three, come back. And you're like, I know exactly what's happening. These couples are still here. These aren't. Even if you've never watched, you've never watched the season of the challenge before. Okay. You turn it on, it says X's. You're like, all right, these people used to fuck. And now they don't anymore. Rivals, these people used to fight. The duel, all right. This is the one-on-one mano y mano situation. The inferno, these are good guys. These are badasses. So we've got the good, we got good versus evil. Very simple concepts. All right. Now. You need a degree in quantum physics to, and this is coming from a guy who's done, who arguably has 
has the highest challenge IQ out there and the most experience. I get confused watching these shows with everything that changes and the twists and the turns. If it's difficult for me to follow, how about just your like average, just like run of the mill, just like the person that kind of casually watches it, has it in the background. You can't follow this. You need to be an astrophysicist to follow it these days. Let's just get back to it being simple. All right. And again, I know that this would be the difficult part because, you know, we've lost the bullpen, which was the real world and road rules, but there's still enough MTV shows out there we could choose from. There's probably a lot of people that made it very far in the challenge. For those people out there who don't know, Fresh Meat, the two seasons of Fresh Meat, we got some absolutely fantastic players back in the day. Evelyn, Cara Maria, Kenny, Evan, Big Easy. Like, we've had some fantastic players that came out of the Fresh Meat franchise. They were the ones that almost made it on the real world, but didn't quite. I guarantee there is a, that, there's still a list with all the seasons of real world we did, all the people that almost made it on the real world, you're telling me we still don't have their contact information? Because I guarantee casting and the interview processes and, and, and all the different levels they had to go through to make it as far as they did, guarantee that there are some more diamonds in there, some absolute gemstones waiting to be, uh, uncovered there. So I don't know, open the files up. All right, let's go back a little bit. Let's see if we can, you know, catch lightning in a bottle because believe me, the way it's going now, these, I don't know who we're bringing on these days. I just, I don't know. Bring back the old themes, bring back some of the old school idiots, the UK people. My God, what a great addition to the show. They were got to have, listen, the UK is full of maniacs. Sure. We could find a few more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, this is a uh, this is a big question here. 
But this is, I think, one of the, the hot topics on a lot of people's mind, especially now, given the result of the last two seasons. Are you, Johnny Bananas, the greatest of all time? Make your case why you're better than CT and Landon. Short answer is yes, I am. And until somebody overtakes me on my metrics, wins, winning percentage, daily wins, time spent on the show, the title's mine. However, better is a very relative term. Am I stronger or more physically imposing than CT? Absolutely not. Am I as athletic or do I have the stamina that Landon had? Probably not. But that's never been my game anyways, okay? My game has never been based on physical strength. My 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 game has never been, I can outgas anyone else in the house. There's a quote that I've always said. It's like, what makes, why have you been so good at the challenge? This is actually a Darwin quote. In nature, it's not the strongest nor the smartest that that survive. It's the ones who are able to adapt. And I think my ability to adapt is what sets me aside from everyone else, okay? By every measurable metric, with the exception of most money won, because I've obviously now, CC's overtaken me in that, daily challenge wins, head-to-head wins, my fi- my winning percentage in, in finals, I'm seven for nine, which means I've been to the challenge nine times and won seven out of the nine. So I've heard a lot in the past, well, oh my God, well, you've had so many more opportunities to do it. Okay. So are you saying that Tom Brady, who I say is the Johnny Bananas of the NFL, Tom Brady has had a longer career. The guy's at 44 and he's still playing. But does that mean he's not as good as, say, a, a, a Drew Brees or a Peyton Manning or an Aaron Rodgers because he's been in the league longer? No, if anything, that's, that's, it's impressive, I think, that this guy's been able to play for as long as he can at a high level. And, I mean, listen, there's also, you know, people have said in the past, well, you know, if 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 CT and Landon had done things differently in the past, they'd be better than you. CT would have controlled his emotions. If Landon would have continued competing, okay, but they didn't. Wait, so because I kept competing and because I had the ability to control my emotions and not turn into the Hulk and beat the shit out of people, that somehow is a, is a knock on my resume or what I've been able to accomplish. Part of the challenge, it's an emotional game. A huge part of this challenge is being able to keep your emotions in check. Okay. Can't tell you how many times I've always said this. They're like, well, you've never, I've never been sent home on a season of the challenge ever. Okay. For my behavior. That's saying a lot because I'm a wild man, but I'm smarter than that. No matter what, you could say whatever you want to me. When you're in my face and you want me to hit you, guess what? I see a massive bag of money hanging behind your head. I'm just not going to make that mistake. Okay. I think most importantly, when we're talking about the greatest of all time, again, a lot of times it's it's people look at it from an a, a physically dominating perspective, right? Who has physically done the most impressive things? But I would argue that some of the most important attributes about being the quote unquote goat are the attributes that can't necessarily be measured in metrics, the intangibles, all right? There was a few seasons that went by that I like to call the dark days of the challenge. That was during about, you know, around the cutthroat bloodlines. The challenge was just struggling to find its identity. Okay. People that were coming on, there were a few memorable ones, but for the most part, those were some rough seasons. But if you go back and you look at those, the dark days, you look back at those seasons, I was front and center 
of every storyline that took place on those seasons. Bloodlines, which a lot of people argue is one of the worst seasons of, of all time. Dude, the island too. Everyone hated the island. Who was front and center? Who was the lightning rod? Who was the one that basically was at the center of every single storyline? Me. All right. Bloodlines, had I not absolutely blown the Cara Maria, Abe, Tom love triangle to smithereens, which no one else wanted to touch, but me and my cousin were like, this is, this needs to happen. It ended up being the biggest storyline of the entire season. Had we not exposed what was going on, never would have come out. No one would have watched it. Cutthroat, I got eliminated. But how the fuck did I get eliminated? Probably the most talked about moment in challenge history. And that was me being carried out on CT's back. All right. Which is a moment that a lot of people want to point to. Like, oh, yeah, well, dude, he smoked you in the backpack challenge. Goddamn right he did. Guy outweighed me by 50 pounds at the time. Tell me any other sport on earth where that's why weight classes and positions exist. Because in any other sport, you're not going up against a guy that's 50 pounds heavier than you. Yeah, from an all-around, from a physical standpoint, from an intimidation standpoint, from an, I mean, just from a, the guy's an absolute mental machine, obviously, you know, I mean, CT, there's nobody that has ever been or ever will be like him, okay? But guess what? There's no one that is will ever be like me either. So. He's won the last two, CT's won the last two challenges. Impressive, back-to-back. Besides me and Darrell, I don't know if anyone else has done that. Maybe there has. I'm, there's probably some statisticians out there going to figure that out. Difference is, CT went back-to-back. Guess who wasn't on the show? Me. When I went back-to-back, guess who was on the show? CT. So, I'm still two wins ahead. He's got five, I got seven. And in challenge, in the challenge years, that is an absolute eternity. So, until I get passed up and wins, I will take the title of the GOAT. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. No, I'm going to get a lot of shit for that one, but so be it. That's what we're here to do, all right? Here to, here to make news, not hold anything back. Um, is the order of the elimination challenges, this is Midnight Matney. Is the order of the elimination challenges set up in advance, or do producers sometimes wait to see who is matched up and set up the elimination? This question will forever be unknown. I I go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like, I'll show up and I'm like, this one was absolutely set up. Other times, the setup is so intricate, there is no way, no chance in hell that this was set up ahead of time, okay? But I do think there have been some challenges in the past, uh, especially when it's the the really easy setups, the pole wrestles, those sort of things, because they know. I mean, if they have, there's been challenges where you know ahead of time exactly what the matchup is going to be. But I would say for the most part, the challenge is because the, it, the, the setups are so intricate. Uh, they're not. It's it's the luck of the draw, which is why sometimes you've seen eliminations that are like, all right, this is definitely with with the two monsters who are going in, this is definitely going to be a, a some sort of a physical headbanger. And then it's a puzzle. Last season, it was Kells against Ed last season. That should have been physical. And they had to do a puzzle. So. Yeah, to answer your question, I don't know. It's the best way I can say it. What's the most upset you've ever been with someone in the house during challenge filming? I mean, this is an absolute no-brainer. And that would have to be Sarah, the end of X is 2. I know a lot of people, especially when it happened, they were like, you deserve it. All the people you've screwed over in the past. How could you be upset with her? I'll tell you how. 
when I am in an alliance with somebody and I, I don't throw the word alliance around casually like most people do. If I'm in an alliance with you, like come hell or high water, right? You're my ride or die. We're, we're seeing this thing through to the end. And we went into that challenge, Sarah and I, in an alliance. In fact, at the time, I hated Jordan. Hated Jordan like nobody's business. I mean, we still still hated him from free agents. Before going into the season, we knew what the theme was going to be. It was going to be exes. They were going to be paired up. She literally was like, put your differences aside for me on our friendship for Jordan. So not only did I put my friendship aside, uh, my, my, my rivalry aside with Jordan and worked with him. I mean, basically, we were what I thought were in lockstep the entire season, okay? And worked very well together. Our alliances worked fine, worked worked great together. But then when we got sent to exile, which I found out later was because she was essentially, instead of working with me, she was trying to work me and Wes against each other. We went to exile. Guess who then was at the bottom of the totem pole? Sarah and Jordan, all right? Had me and Nani not come back into the house, they 100% would have been eliminated because Leroy, he allied with himself with, with Wes and they were running shit. By Nani and me coming back into the house, we flipped the entire script and Jordan and Sarah, because, because I split up the Leroy and Wes alliance, Sarah and Jordan then went from the bottom of the totem pole, most likely going to be eliminated. If not, they were going to be sent into every elimination after that. They then went from the bottom right back up to the top because I then and Leroy, we were then running shit again. And Wes is the one that then went to the bottom. So then after working this entire season together, all of the goodwill that I had, that I felt like, you know, I had built up with her for her to then find that moment to completely backstab me. It was 100% the biggest betrayal I've, I've ever experienced on the challenge before, especially when you had such an easy option in Jay and Jenna. Okay. You had myself, Leroy and you three that have been working together the entire season. Okay. From the beginning, that was our alliance. We were one step away from running it out in the final and you let this idiot rookie team, uh, skate instead. And I, I get it. Well, she, you know, gave you a chance by sending you into elimination. No, she didn't. She sent me in against a, my best friend, the other member of our alliance. And you don't send someone in because you want them to come back. Okay. You send them in because you want them to go home. If you didn't want to run against me in a final, then why align yourself with me in the first place? And you were running against me. You're running against Nani. Okay. Me and Jordan, it's not, you know, we were probably going to balance each other out. It was, it was the two of you. So uh, biggest betrayal ever. Never forget that moment. But we know who got the last laugh. Do you think if you wouldn't have been able to cut the deal with Evelyn to have her join your boat and she chose to take your key instead of Dunbar's, that you being sent home at the end of the island would have altered the trajectory of your legacy? How nerve wracking was that moment? Well, HD long, um, because I'm not able to see what an altered universe and an altered a parallel universe would look like would it have altered my trajectory i don't necessarily think so because the island wasn't i feel like my most impressive win <laughs> in fact that was one of the easiest finals we'd ever done okay we it was four of the strongest people on the island against four of the weakest people on the island and we had to row a boat i don't know half a mile so would that have altered my trajectory i, I I don't know. It would have sucked. 
would have been one of the most painful, I mean, moments ever. Right up there with the backpack, right up there with my being sent home first on the duel, right up there with my elimination, uh, me and Tony being eliminated. But I've always said that the moments on the challenge that have been the hardest are the ones that have made me be the strongest. I honestly say getting sent home first on the duel was one of the best things to ever happen to me because it made me appreciate the game that much more. And I think when someone, their rookie season goes straight to a final, it's almost, it's the worst thing that can happen to them because they get this, like, they think it's easy. They get this sense of entitlement. They don't realize how absolutely difficult it is um, to make it to a final. Had she not cut that deal, Evelyn, she wouldn't have been on the winning boat anyways. And she knew that. Because let's see who was on the, let's think about who was on the boat. Myself, Derek, and Kenny. Had Evelyn taken Mikey instead of Dunbar's, she would have, she knew that she would have been on the other boat. So her only choice was to take his. So that would have been a choice for Evelyn. Do you want to win or not? I think she made the right decision. Um, How did you and Jordan put away your differences in free agents? We never saw how it played out. I just explained this and it was uh, basically for Sarah. We put our differences aside um, on uh, X's till. And what's weird is after that, (laughs) the guy who I came into the game hating more than anyone, Jordan, we ended up as fast friends after. And the girl that I I came into the game as one of my best friends, I ended up despising. So my, how the turntables. Coolest, scariest daily challenge. Three goggles wants to know. And why did they stop having text clues from TJ? Uh, Coolest challenge ever, I'd have to say, was when we got to swim underwater on bloodlines in the friggin', what was it, the Aegean Sea off Turkey. I mean, it was one of the most insane experiences of my life, okay? There were these underwater fish tanks that were like 20 feet down. And I mean, it was the most beautiful water you've ever been in. You had to swim down, poke your head up underwater inside one of these tanks, get air, and then go to the next one. You do this like eight times. I mean, it was just incredible. But the fact that I did it with Abe, and this guy thought wanted to kill me, I thought he was going to murder me inside one of these fish tanks, made it even that, better, that much better. Actually, you know, it was probably cooler than that now that I think about it. Rivals won when we got to use the bulldozers to crush cars. If you didn't see that. That was Awesome. We were in a bulldozer with like a steam shovel and we got to like smash a car, push it under a log, drive around, like just like every kid's wet dream. Why did they stop having text clues from TJ? Great fucking question. Who knows? Um, This is a big one. Haven't addressed this one yet, but I guess uh, there's no better time than now to do it on my own podcast. What is your toughest challenge loss? Do you miss Morgan? So this is the first time I'm addressing my relationship publicly, mainly because I choose to keep my private life private. And I think over the years, being in the public eye and being on reality television, this is what has enabled me to keep my sanity for as long as I have. When things went south between the two of us, there were obviously a lot of unfair and untrue accusations about my mental health being made publicly. Um, So I chose, again, to keep to myself because I knew if I addressed what was being said about me, um, it would only bring more attention to this narrative that I didn't necessarily see as accurate. So I chose 
to remain silent. And a lot of people out there mistook me not expressing my emotions publicly as not having any. And I think that one of the biggest benefits and detriments to being on reality TV and the challenge over the years is it's enabled me to really develop a thick skin. And again, hide, really mask how I'm actually feeling inside. My birth sign, I'm a cancer. Cancers have a hard exterior. And the more traumatic experiences they, they go through in life, it makes that shell even harder. And I feel like because of what I've subjected myself to over the years, it really has um, jaded me and uh, really enabled me to do an amazing job at hiding how I'm actually feeling, what's actually going on uh, inside of me. Um, so just because I wasn't like spilling my guts in public does not mean I wasn't bleeding privately. And if it were up to me, I would have chosen, obviously, to keep all the salacious details private because once things did go public, all the sharks out there smelled blood in the water. You know, they tore us both to pieces. I felt like somewhat fairly and unfairly. And uh, re it really tarnished and overshadowed, um, you know, some of the beautiful aspects of, you know, the time that we had, had spent together. So <laughs> this was a roundabout way of answering this question. But to answer the question, do I miss her? Not a day, not an hour goes by that I don't. And I could also say the second part of that question, that's definitely my toughest challenge loss as well. All right. Now for now let's do a let's do a a, a really uh, a really deep question, all right? Enough with the fun stuff. Enough with the lighthearted questions people. Let's answer a serious one here. Who is the best player to never win a final? Got to go up my man Leroy. Okay? I mean what that guy over the years, I mean, not only is he an absolutely amazing soul, not only is he one of my most favorite people on, on earth, what he contributed to the challenge physically, guy almost died jumping off a car covered with lube, smashing his head against the trunk, almost drowning, messing up his back. I mean, dude, Leroy, and, and I mean, all the time that, and, and again, this is maybe just a little bit you know, obviously, because we're so close, maybe this is more of a personal thing for me, but like the amount of situations he'd put himself in as a detriment to his game, just to back me up, aligning yourself with me is never, it's got its pros and cons, right? You align yourself with me, you're going to be protected in some ways. You got a good shot at, you know, if I win, I'm going to protect you, but you're also now, because you're aligning yourself with me, the rest of the house is going to come after you. And he knew that going into every season and he still stuck by me through hell or high water. And I mean, the guy's been this close so many times um, and was never able to pull through. So yeah, uh, Leroy is definitely the best to never win. On which challenge do you think you played your greatest game, regardless of winning it in the end? Uh, consider your play on and off the field. My name is Dan wants to know free agents. All right. Now, while I did end up winning that season, the way I won, I feel like, was probably the most impressive. It was an individual win, which is very difficult to do. Going into that season, I was against arguably one of the strongest alliances ever. It was me against Jordan, Zach, CT, and Johnny Riley, who, I mean, the guy 
didn't have a huge uh, resume, but I mean, the guy obviously knows what he had. A, he had a uh, he had quite a motor on him. Not only did I have to take down that entire, not only did I have to eliminate every single person in that alliance, Jordan, the cards, CT in a puzzle pyramid. All right. How the fuck I beat CT at puzzles to this day, I still don't know. And I beat Zach and Johnny Riley in the final. So yeah, I'd say that that was, I'd say right next to that is Rivals for a lot of the same reasons. Hardest final ever. Rivals was the hardest final. No doubt about it. And I had to get run over in a fucking uh, half pipe by CT in order to get there. So that was a tough one. Rank your championships one to seven. Oh, man. I'm not going to rank them all in order because some of them obviously are like less impressive. But I would say my top three wins would have to be Total Madness, Free Agents, and Rivals. Hands down. Just from the difficulty level, free, uh, total madness from the men- what that did to me mentally. You want to know why I haven't back to the challenge in a few years? That's a big reason why. What that show, what total madness did to me mentally, you want to talk about despair, the feeling of just absolute despair and depression? That's total madness. And then again, rivals just from the final aspect, how effing difficult that that challenge was beginning to end. First overnight challenge, uh, first two-day challenge, one of the longest they've ever done. Brutal. All right, and then uh, that actually kind of brings me to uh, to the last to the last question we got here. What a perfect way to close it out. Will we ever see you on a challenge again? If I had a magic eight ball right now, I think the answer we'd get back is all signs point to yes. I'm not going to lie. There has been some moments when I questioned uh, if and when I should come back. Don't you want to go out on top? Wasn't Total Madness, you know, the ultimate way to do it? End on a on a high note. These are all very fair points. But to me, the challenge is more about wins and losses. It's about the experience. I've been given the ability to do things and to be places and to experience things that very few people on this earth ever get to do. It's been one of the biggest blessings that I that I've gifts that I've ever been given. And I can honestly say that I would not be the person I am today had the challenge not come into my life and had I not been a part of it. Um, if I go on 10 more challenges and I get sent home first every single time, I'm okay with that. I feel like my legacy is carved in stone and there's nothing that's ever going to be able to change that. But I honestly feel like even with everything that I've accomplished, even with all the titles and accolades and whatever, I'm still hungry. And I still feel like there's even more that can be accomplished. And it's like, listen, I don't know how many more of these I got in me. So yeah, I want to, uh, I would, I want to see like, like they say on, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland, I'd like to see how deep this rabbit hole actually goes. And for me, it's like, this is more of a test of myself than anyone else. I want to see if I still got what it takes. I want to see if, you know, there's been a lot of speculation out there. Oh, man, you lost the step. Oh, we haven't seen you in a while. Oh, shit. You know, you're off doing these other things. You forgot about us. Well, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. Just because I haven't talked to you in a while doesn't mean I've forgotten about you. 20 seasons, 16 years, seven wins, five continents, zero signs of stopping. Ladies and gentlemen, so to all my fans out there, 
buckle the fuck up. And for all my haters, be patient because I have so much more for you to be mad about. And with that being said, I just want to thank you all for stopping by yet another episode of the Death Taxes and Bananas podcast where the tea definitely flowed like wine and uh, the guest, this guy right here, flocked like a salmon of Capistrano. Until next time, I love you all. I'm Oprah. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.